Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday night, and um, I thought of another idea. I'm doing a second uh, talk, podcast, about something in the Parsha, um, being very generously sponsored by Bissal Stefanski, which is grateful. And I'll do the feel hopefully tomorrow. Uh, I'm, it's late. Uh, it's uh, in the evening. I was at a Shabbos till now. The Shochman Mitnik Shabbos. I just had a problem with something in the parsha, and I'll just share it with you. Not only, not always do I have a a, a straight mahalach, but um, <clears throat> it's important to call attention to the things that are problematic in the uh, in the text as well. And uh, maybe out of all this, somebody will come up with a good. Approach. We spend all the time in Parsha B'Shalach, typically, and myself included, talking about the Kriyas Yamsuf and all the dramatic events leading up to it. If you have a little bit extra time, you talk about the Mon, right? And the Hachonah for Shabbos and all that business. If you have a little extra time, you talk about the Battle of Amalek. Isn't that how it usually goes? You know. Um, however, there's a passage here which is very enigmatic to me, and it's in the beginning of Shri, just right after the Mon and before the Amalek. And supposed to take care of the problem of the water. Because it never tells you in the Chumash how they took care of the problem of the water. You're talking about a couple million people, 600,000 men multiplied and so forth. You're talking about a couple million. How do you get water? Okay. And we know the people were thirsty. <clears throat> now, an obvious question, at least to my mind, goes like this. The same way God supplied them with mun, why couldn't he supply them with water? Uh, we talked about this at a class I gave earlier today. Share with the women. That's why I'm just thinking over repeating some of the things I said because I'm playing around with these ideas and I invite you to do so this week. I thought it was something unusual. Uh, if I was your Bani Shalom, and I'd say like this How are you going to supply people moving through the desert? You know, Nachash, Saraf, Akrab, Timon, Ashel, and Chamayim, you know, it's a desert, desert. How are you going to do that? Only through a, a, a miracle. Well, what the heck? Once you're doing a miracle, you do a miracle. <clears throat> so every day, drop them on. That takes care of the food. And I would do like this, from 5 to 6 in the afternoon, every day comes a storm over where the Jews are. And it pours down in buckets, and the Jews would catch the water, and that would take care of the water for the next 24 hours. Isn't that the most logical and simple way to handle it? Once you're talking about a nace anyway of dropping food, why don't you just drop the water? That's near Ali, right? In fact, it'd be very perfect. You know, it'd be like the time of Shlomo Alexandra. It, it's, it's a storm for an hour. Like I say, buckets of water come down. Everybody catches it in the jars and whatever, cisterns and things like that. And then the sun comes out and a wind passes through. And in five minutes or less, it's all dry. You're back to where you were before, but you got the water. But that is not what happened. In fact, it doesn't tell you ever in the Chumash exactly what happened, except in this strange uh, passage over here, right? Um, maybe in, in Bamidbar over at the end, uh, I'm not going to look at it now. Bear, Chafaru, Sarim, and all that. Uh, but it, it, it's strange to me. Here, I just flipped over for a second to look in my midbar. It doesn't help. It doesn't tell you in the Chumash, in a simple way, how I took care of the basic logistics. 
I'm not talking about even a midrashic word or something. Like, you know, just in the straightforward description of the events you have in the Chumash. Now, um, the food it does tell you. The people complain about food. He had the money. Okay. Uh, it even goes so far as to tell you later on they didn't like the money anymore. He had to get the the quail and all that business. But what about the water? And we find they were borching about the water, which makes sense if you're in the desert. Okay. Have you ever been dehydrated? I've been dehydrated. It's it's a bummer. Okay. I mean, in Israel. Now, um, so what happens? By Yisru, called us Yisru, I mean, Midbarsin, Lamasehem. So they went from Midbarsin. Uh, where is Midbarsin? It doesn't tell you, but obviously we're somewhere at the top of uh, the Sinai Desert. I think everybody has a general idea of the map. You can pull one up. You know, there's Egypt, there's the Sinai Peninsula, and then you get to Israel. Assuming, as most people do, that what you and I call Harsina is somewhere in the lower part of the Sinai Peninsula. You know, the Sinai Peninsula is like a uh, upside-down triangle, right? So, you know, it's towards the, the towards the bottom. Uh, so we have a very strange story here today, to my mind. Because it says, Ain't mayim They were in Rafidim. I don't know exactly where, nobody knows exactly where Rafidim is. But, you know, it's somewhere, let's put it this way. They just crossed the Red Sea. You know the story like I know the story. They just crossed the Red Sea. Of course, the problem, of course, is we don't know where the Red Sea is. Does that mean the Gulf of Suez? Does that mean the uh, the uh, lakes that are in the Suez area, which later on, the cut between them made one big canal? Um, does it possibly mean they were lower than Suez? I mean, how could that be? I mean, lower in the Red Sea, Mamish? then they wouldn't be crossing into the sign of Pindus if you know your geography, right? I think most of you know what I'm talking about. There's the Sinai Peninsula with two bodies of water on the, uh, I guess, the west and the east, you know, on the left side and the and the right side. On the two gulfs on the left side, and those on the western side, you have what you call the Gulf of Suez. Look it up on the map. And on the right side, you have what they call the Gulf of Aqaba, or the Gulf of Eilat, as we Jews would call it. And then south of that is, is the Red Sea. So the Jews presumably crossed out of Egypt either somewhere in the Sinai, in the Suez area or in the Gulf of Suez area, right? That would lead you into our Sinai. So now, and, and this is what we're talking about. They said they marched for three days and they complained about the water. And then comes the Mon and this and that and the other. And so um, they're, 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 they're somewhere in Midbar Sin, Lamasa uh, Hashem. They're following a journey. Now you and I know the journey's supposed to end the Harsina, but that's for that's not for six weeks, correct? They don't get to Shavuos until a, a little less than six weeks later after this. As we all know, Shavuos Matan Torah and Harsina is seven weeks after Yitzhi uh, Mitzrayim, or fifty days to be exact. And uh, you know, in Mimachas Pesachamim, and um, now the the Kriyas Yamsuf, which takes place in this parsha, is like on the seventh of Pesach. So instead of seven weeks, make it six weeks, basically. So in six weeks, they'll be in Harsinai, a little bit before that. On Rosh Chodesh Sivan. So here they're in Midbarsin, somewhere in the north. And uh, they're up in Rafinim. And they run out of water. And they complain to Moshe. Right? It gets a little bit desperate over there. And then, you know, I mean, I know you know that part of the story. Moshe, they'll kill me. God said, he won't kill you. And then what does he say? Moshe, Moshe, 
pass in front of the people and take the elders. And take your stick with you. The stick that you used for the makas, the mate. Fine. <clears throat> then comes something very weird to me. Very weird. This Hashem talking. I will stand in front of uh, I will stand in front of you, Sham, Darton over there, all at Sur on a certain rock Bakharif. And Kharv is Harsinai, right? Um at least that's what many of the Khazal say. Okay? So um so there Rafidim somewhere in the north of the Sinai Desert. And God said, oh, you have a problem with the water? So go to Chorif. Oh my goodness. Harsina is far away. It's just six weeks away. Right? It's about six weeks away. Now you're telling me, well, okay, Moshe can go faster. I mean, but give me a break. You're telling me, oh, you need, you have a problem with water? Everybody here is in Baltimore. You need water? No problem. Walk with the elders to Philadelphia. Get the and the water will come there. Well, what's that good does that do to people in Baltimore? You know what I'm saying? The people were down, I mean, up in Rafidim, in the northern part of the Sinai Desert. Harsinai, Chorev is far away, especially walking. And Hashem said, you go walk there and, and you'll hit a rock and water will come out. Well, how's the water in the rock in Harsinai going to get to the people who are thirsty all the way up north, right, in Rafidim? The, plus, the language is very weird. I am well aware that there are what you call biblical anthropomorphisms, but this is particularly uh, gross. I, God, are going to stand in front of you there on a rock, on Kharif. What does it mean Hashem going to stand in front of there? Right? And interestingly, and before Hashem note this, the Uncleus doesn't change. Usually the Uncleus has a certain feel for anthropomorphisms, and he tries to reword it in such a way that it's not so anthropomorphic. So he'll say, my glory will stay to the Shechina, something like that. But I will stand in front of you. I did a little looking around, and the only person, you know, who says that it's a figure of speech or something like that, that I know of is Sajigon. It's a good thing I have my rusty, trusty Sajigon from the Mozart Cook from long ago. Sajigon has a translation. Well, it's not a translation. It's it's a hard words. He he rephrases it for you. Okay, it's very wonderful. But it's not a, f- a fat pierce, but Sadiyon and Lachomish, and he has Hinaniomi Lefanecha Sham Sadiyon. Now this is a translation from the Arabic. He wrote in Arabic. So again, Hinaniomi Lefanecha Sham Hinanimaamid Simon Lefanecha Sham. See, he's sensitive to what I'm talking about. I Hashem will be mommy to similar In other words, I'm not going to stand there. I'll put a sign there. It'll glow. It'll shine. It'll make a noise. Whatever the sim will be. Okay? There's some chazal that says you see footprints on there. You know, but I'm not going to stand there. So why, especially when the Jews have just left Egypt and they're still shakua and memtesh sharituma and they're still full of um, idolatrous ideas because you can't help it. And why would you use such an anthropomorphic thing? I'm not finished. And then you'll hit the rock. And the rock will give water. No, the Om is somewhere else. I just told you, Moshe, to leave the camp and go far away to Kharev. Okay? Uh, now, I guess some must learn Kharev is something different. 
But many in the Chazal learn Chorvitz Harsinai. That's what we usually do. So it doesn't make any sense that God will say, oh, you have a problem in Baltimore? Go to, let, let me put it this way. You're in Yerushalayim. Oh, there's no water in Yerushalayim? No problem. You know, walk to Haifa or something like that and get water from there. You know, from Nablus. No, no problem. Get water from there. How are you going to bring it back? This is what you see. This passage, okay? And it says, Vayas came Moshe and Yisrael. And Vayikoshim Makom Masam Riva. They called this place Masam Riva. Ariba and Yisrael, because they argued, you know, with God. Vial Nasa, Moshe only more. And they tested God, saying, Hayesh Hashem Bikirbeinu Mayim. Here it is, Hayesh Hashem Bikirbeinu Mayim. Is God care of us or not? How's that follow? You understand? I mean, if you pay me, I could explain it. But really, you know, Pashim Shah, how, why, what's going on over there? Okay? What do you mean? Um, and I repeat, the people are still full of Egyptian ideas. Now, um, this is supposed to be the reference to the heir of Miriam. This is the, the only reference. I mean, this is where it comes from. The Chumash in its account, as I just mentioned before, I don't know why, does not bother to tell us how you handled the water problem. It certainly does bother to tell us how they handled the food problem. That's the story of the month. But it doesn't do that for 40 years in the desert, right? Mizot, we say that there was a bare moon. But where does it say in the Chumash that there was a bare moon? It doesn't say it. Okay? Second of all, Listen, explain this to me logistically. Let's say there is a bear, Miriam, or a rock in Chorev, which Moshe hits, and out comes water. So what, now you have like a well? Is that how it goes? What I mean to say is like this. That's not practical from a logistic point of view. you got three million people. They can't line up in a whole line and wait to get the water. You'll die from thirst by the time you're not even halfway through the line. There's a lot of people out there, right? 600,000 men, etc., so even if you tell me not all 3 million are in the line, but, you know, hundreds of thousands are in the line. Tens of thousands are in the line. That's a long line, baby. Okay? So it can't be. So I'm just approaching from like a, a pusher guy. I'm not coming with any, I'm just a pusher guy. So how'd they get water? It can't be that there was a well. Because there was a well that doesn't work for, for a million, two million, three million people. It can't be a well. Even if the well was bottomless, and was like Hanukkah, you know, kept having water and water and water. How am I going to get there? I have to stand in line forever. You know what that means? The Nazi's going to get his relatives in first. The guys are protects you, et cetera, et cetera. All the rich riches. How, how am I going to get my water? You see? So if you tell me, I'm just trying to make you think. If you tell me that there was an answer to the water problem, and there must have been, because the people didn't die of thirst, right? Although in a very weird and simplistic way, it says... He hit the rock, um, and uh, the people drank, right? Uh, he says like this, But how? Okay? So it can only, just thinking, like, realistically, I'm talking about the nace, but so how does the nace manifest itself? It can only mean that Moshe, I mean, this is going to be weird. Especially if you're talking about the fact that they're in Rafidim, and he just went, like I say, all the way south to Mount Sinai, to, to Har Chorev. So it's got to sound something like, you're going to hit the rock, 
and out's going to come a gigantic gusher of water, endless. Ad Kedekach is going to form like a river, and the water will plunge forward north and north to where the Jews are. I guess if you see like in a movie, if it's like a tidal wave or something like that, the water goes a lot faster, you know, and you spread than a person can move. And it'll shoot north like a Mississippi River all the way to Rafidim. And it'll hit the Jewish camp. Listen closely. It'll hit the Jewish camp and it'll go right through the Jewish camp, maybe in some tributaries. You see what I'm saying? Forming a very wide river that's appearing suddenly, which is not a river, but notice has the form of a river with the source coming out of that rock that Moshe hit in Chorib and Har Sinai. And it's going to be a wide, big river, Ad Kedekach, that everybody who wants water can go at the same time. Like I say, imagine if there's a Mississippi River running right through the camp. No, okay, if it's a river like that, everybody can get their, their, their buckets and so forth and go down and, and, and fill to your heart's content. Or you could just sit there and drink, you know? Remember, that was the biblical time, so there was no brach he had to make <laughs> before brachas were invented. You just sit there and drink. And so, you know, if it's a huge, gigantic river, then millions of people can taka go there at the same time. But that's what you got to say, okay? So again, they're, they're starving or dying of thirst, they say, and God acknowledges this. He tells Moshe to make a long journey, and at the end of the journey, you go to Harsinai. When you go to Harsinai, you hit a rock, and the rock will bust forth immediately and very, very rapidly shoot water like a Mississippi River, okay? And it'll, you know, drive north under the impact of the water pressure coming from the rock, all the way up. I mean, it's a remarkable story. I don't think we usually learn like that, okay? And this would be like the origin of the Bear Miriam, uh, meaning that wherever the Jews from now on, next 40 years, will be in the desert, right through the camp or right adjacent to the camp, will be an artificial river. There'll be a rock, that'll be like Bear Miriam, and at the right moment, under the right impetus, It'll just burst forward with water, shooting, like I say, a gigantic amount of water. And it'll, like I say, form a river, a big river. And that's where everybody go get their water. Because, you know, you need water. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you need water. And uh, it'll be so big, and it'll be fresh water. The, the bottom will be sand, but on the top it won't be the sand. And you'll be able to get all the water you want that way. So you're telling me, I'm just saying, it's quite remarkable. That wherever the Yidin went in the desert for 40 years, uh, immediately was established like a certain river. Okay? Because for 3 million people, that's what you need. And, you know, this river will just shoot forth. And then when they move on to the next place, the river will instantly, you know, the rock will stop pushing out water. And it'll immediately dry up. You know, it's a desert after all. And you won't even see a trace of it. You won't see anything from it, you know. You go there... An hour later, or if it's a sunny day, you know what I mean, after a certain period of time, it's just all dried up. Like, like a sea, like in the seashore on a sunny day, you know what I mean, when the, when the waves nowhere hit that, that part of the, the sand, it gets all dry. I mean, is that what happened? I think so. I mean, let me put it this way. That's what it seems from the story. I don't think most of us think of the water in that way. I think most of us if I'm wrong, you know, if if, if you think of, think, think of it differently, uh, you know, call it kavod. But I think most people say like this. There was a big, there was this uh, miraculous uh, well, 
Maybe they imagined the well was a face in the ground or something like that. It popped around with them in the ground instead of being a stone that rolled with them. And whenever it was in the ground, you know, it was endless water. And if you ask the question, but how did people, you know, shove in line and work out the logistics of for millions of people trying to get the water, all the rest of it, I don't think most people give any thought to that. Okay? Uh, there are some, they draw them, not exactly Mepharshim, they kind of indicate what I told you before, that the thing shot out and made like a place, a river or something like that. It was rivulets. Maybe it went in different directions and this tribe got this and that tribe got that. I don't know. All I'm saying is, this is a strange passage. <laughs> and it doesn't explain the following. What did Moshe have preached that derech? If he's close enough to Harsinai, then why don't you move all the Jews there? You know, why, why don't you, why, you know, uh, especially if there's a rock there that has water, just move everybody there. What are you standing around Rafidim for? You get it? What, 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 what are you doing up there? Now, maybe you'll tell me in economy, you probably would have moved there by the car, but he got attacked right away by, by Amalek, because that is the story, right? By Amalek, by Rafidim. So, in Akhanami, maybe after the water, problem was solved miraculously. But listen, the whole experience in the desert was a miracle, right? So, uh, you know, then they got attacked by Amalek, and by the time that's over, you know, they, they, they that gave up the idea of moving right away to Harsinai. But on the other hand, um, after the Amalek stuff is over and Yisrael shows up, then they do head towards Harsinai. Uh, do we understand that all the time they're marching in the direction of Harsinai, which they don't get to, as they say before, for another six weeks or so, five, six weeks. So are you telling me that whole time that, that Mississippi River was running out of Harsinai? I don't know. Uh, maybe so. Notice it doesn't say anywhere that this problem, which was solved temporarily by hitting the rock and Chorev, was a permanent solution to the problem. And it certainly, now, it'll help if what I'm saying is true, if they head towards Harsinia, which they are, and if they camp at the base of Harsinia, which they do, right? Um, incidentally, this would explain the Tavila business, because remember, before they get mountain Torah, they all got a table. How you do that, right? In the desert. But if you see there's a huge river, or rivulet or something like that, flowing from the rock, Without getting us into uh, technical questions of Hilchus Mikvos and Mayim Shuv and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, I think it was at the Rif or somebody said, if it's all Shuv, if it's Hamshacha, uh, you know what I mean? It's rolled on the ground. So, in other words, even if it's all Hamshacha, if I remember, it's been a while since I did this stuff, then it's fine, you know. Uh, so, they are definitely in some kind of a very strange kind of Mikvos situation. But okay, this is what you get into. When you try to approach it this way, wouldn't it not have been sim simpler to do it my way? That just every day for an hour or two, whatever it is, there comes a, a big storm. Uh, in fact, you could say it's only a storm to hit over Klali's Raw. And, um, and that gives you water for the day. And everybody catches the water. It's more than enough. Right? It's more than enough. And the next day is the same thing. That is what happened with the Mon anyway. Right? So I repeat. I consider this a tough nut. You know, what, what exactly is going on over here? Plus, this combination 
where he says, that God says, I'm going to stand in front of you. Other than Sajigon, for some reason, he copped it, you know, the point I'm making. Nobody else, as far as I can see, pays attention to that, which is just very surprising to me, okay? It's a highly anthropomorphic business. Why does God have to say, I will stand on a rock in front of you? Why didn't God simply say, go to to uh, Harsinai, pick a rock, because that's the way the Chazal say it. It's not a magic rock, it's any rock you pick. So he says, go to Harsinai, pick a rock, whack it, and water will come out. You understand? Um, what's this business hitting the Omelu Fanecha? It sounds like there's an image of God they see. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 like I say, I don't know what that means. Right? Uh, you, uh, I'll use words that I don't know what I'm talking about. Nobody does. They see the Shechina, however that's to be understood. Like, what, what does that mean? They see the Shechina. Um, which is, by the way, not what Sadigon says. He says, I'll, I'll just make a sign there. It's like one of the rocks will have a mark on it or it'll be glowing or something like that, which is a completely different thing. Um, but that's not what the Chumash says. Chumash says, I'll be standing on a rock. And the Jewish people wanted to know, which sounds to me, you know, is God uh, just out there? Is he just transcendent or is he imminent? Do we say Hashem is right next to us all the time? Sounds like they didn't believe Hashem was Bikirbeno until this happened. How did this to oof, how did this make it that because they got this well and then it flowed down in the way I just described, now they see God is in our midst. You know, notice we see God as an imminent uh, presence. This is particularly a problem, as I said before, from the point of view of the Memtashari Tumah that the Jews are very heavily influenced by the Egyptianisms. And the Egyptianisms, in economy, they see gods among them all the time. They see idols everywhere, right? They see idols everywhere. That's the whole point of Egypt. Uh, I'll hope to get to this when we get to the Golden Calf. I mean, the Egyptians were unique in the Middle East, as far as I'm aware, in worshiping animals. And the Jews will be so stuck on that that they'll make a Golden Calf, which is just strange. Then they make a ball and a share or something like you make a Golden Calf, an animal. So it's Mamish Egyptianism. And they're wondering, Hayesh Hashem Bikirbenu Imayin? What? And if the water doesn't come, then God is not in our midst. So, who took you out of Egypt? Who made the ten plagues? I mean, how'd you get to this place in the first place? You just split across the Red Sea. And now you're telling me, I don't know if Hashem is Bikirbenu? It sounds like, yeah, maybe there's a God out there that can shoot from afar, but not up close. But how is that reflected in the story of the water more than in any other kind of miracle? Why, you know, when you say that God intervened, you know, as that he saved one army and killed the other, you know, saved the Jews, and at the same time drowned the Egyptians, I mean, why isn't that Hashem Bikirbeno? So, I only leave um, this subject simply by pointing out, I think this is a part of the parasha most of us don't pay attention to. And I didn't see anything that really grabbed me in the Mepharshim. Maybe it's my fault. I didn't see anything grabbing Farshim. And it does sound very... I mean, I know the Bible is full of anthropomorphisms, but this is a particularly sharp one. Why does Hashem have to say, I'm standing on a rock? Right? In Chorev. Uh, matter of fact, that sounds very scary, because in five weeks, they're going to come to Arsinai, and Hashem will be on the mountain. If they think he's standing on a rock, Mom's like standing, you know, uh, then there's going to have a paganism. Get it? Because you're not allowed to think of Hashem as a physical form. Now, maybe at that time, 
Listen closely, I'm about to tell you. Maybe at that time, it was okay because they they were just moving towards Maimon Harsini. They weren't there yet. Maybe at that time, it's okay to think that Hashem is physical. I don't know, you know, until they hear in Harsini, you know, that you can't think like that. Maybe. Like I said, I wasn't there, we don't know. But I do submit that this is a uh, a tricky part of the Parsha as far as I can see. And maybe some of you smarter than me, you can figure out a better shot. But it's really got to make sense. I'm not looking for a terrace. It's got to make sense. Uh, why doesn't the Chumash have a simple explanation of how the water problem, all the time that they were in the desert, and then when they crossed from the desert, you know, into Eretz Yisrael and through the Negev, and then up the other side and all the rest of it, why doesn't the Torah tell you how they solved the water problem all the way through? Uh, it's a, quite a missing lacuna. On the other hand, as I said before, we all know in the Chumash, when they get to Har Sinai, one of the things they're going to tell you is Chibsu Simlasechem, wash your clothes. Really? Wash with what? With sand? You know, what, what are you going to wash with? Sounds like the water wasn't a problem. How could water not be a problem? You hear what I'm saying? Anyway, as I said before, I threw this out because it just struck me today in a class I was giving. And it's a part of Bashalk I don't think most of us give a lot of attention to. And um, I want to thank once again Basal Stefanski for uh, sponsoring this. And uh, if you have a great idea out there, but think it through before you send something. You know, not Stalman the Velteron. If you have a good a good approach to this, so uh, I'll by. I look forward to it. But then I would say have a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.